Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. It's UFC 269 Fight Weekend. We have a fantastic interview edition of the TSN MMA Show right before your eyes or ears or however you are consuming this particular show. UFC President Dana White will join us, of course, to talk about UFC 269 as well as all other things in the world of mixed martial arts, including the UFC having chats with one of the biggest free agents possibly in the history of mixed martial arts. And we'll discuss that, among other things. And, of course, the main event features Dustin Poirier taking on Charles Oliveira. Both of those gentlemen will join me as well. Uh, it was nice to speak with Charles. He had a translator with him, which, uh, you know, is always uh, difficult to do interviews with a translator. But, of course, it is Dobronx, the best finisher in the history of the UFC, in my opinion. Uh, I think that when you look at his skills and what he's able to do, both in the striking and grappling realm, the fact that he's never been to the championship uh, rounds, especially in, in the lighter weight classes that he's competed in, I think that uh, it certainly goes to show that he is one of the most dynamic finishers, possibly the most dynamic finisher in the history of mixed martial arts. Uh, Amanda Nunez in the co-main event, she joins me to talk about her bout with Juliana Pena. I interviewed Juliana Pena last week, so if you caught the uh, TSN MMA show interview edition, she was on that one, so feel free to circle back to that if you'd like to hear my chat with Juliana Pena. We also spoke with Sugar Sean O'Malley, had a great talk with him. Uh, nice to pick his brain, kind of hear about his uh, origin story in the sports a little bit, so uh, you can check that out as the show progresses. And Santiago Ponzinibbio taking on Jeff Neal this week. That should be a total banger on the uh, two, UFC 269 card. I can't wait for that one. That should be a lot of fun. Two heavy hitters in the welterweight division. And finally, Felicia Spencer retiring from the sport of mixed martial arts. The Canadian joins me to talk about her journey and what made her decide to end it and uh, move on to, I guess, you know, civilian life, if you want to call it that. I mean, it's not, not that mixed martial arts aren't civilian, but I think you understand what I mean. Leaving this sport uh, when she does at the early age of 31 years old, old uh she was a title challenger in the ufc a champion in invicta and she will discuss all of that and more in our interview so let's get to it we'll start off with ufc president dana white dustin poirier charles Oliveira, amanda nunez sean o'malley santiago ponzanibio and felicia spencer right here on the tsn mma show interview edition happy to be joined by ufc president dana white ahead of ufc 269 now, happy to see that you're doing okay i know last week you talked about uh your family had a bout with covid and uh, it's nice to see you back but I did want to ask about this last weekend's card before we get to this weekend. Did you watch that card from home? And if so, what was that experience like for you? Because I imagine you don't do that very often. Yeah, I, I did watch it from home. Um, but I, I prefer to be there. I'd rather be there uh, and watch the fights live than, than, than watch them on TV and at home. Were you patched in with a truck from your house? Do you have like a headset? Uh, no, no. But I was just I was texting the truck. Yeah, I was just firing text. Well, that must have been a, a very different experience for you. Again, I'm happy to see that you're doing all right. And we've got this incredible card coming up. Uh, UFC 269, Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira. In your opinion, is the winner of this fight the fighter of the year for 2021? I know they've got stiff competition with Usman, but I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, Usman, Usman and, and whoever wins this fight will be neck and neck. It's a tough one. You'd have to throw Rose in there, too. Rose has had a pretty badass year. Yeah, Rose won twice this year. I forgot about that. Yeah, she's had a, a great year as well. Uh, Dustin Poirier, the favorite over Charles Oliveira. Do you agree with those odds? Dustin Poirier, the favorite? Yeah, he's, he's the betting favorite against Charles Oliveira. Do you what, think that that's What's right? the line? I think he's, plus, uh, he's minus 165 thereabouts. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, when you, when you look at Dustin, what he's done, what he's accomplished, 
He's a bigger guy. I think he has the advantage on his feet. I think if it goes to the ground, obviously Oliveira has the advantage. Um, I think that's a pretty good line. Does Oliveira get enough credit for what he's done in the sport? He could no. actually set the record for the most bonuses this weekend in UFC history. He has the most submission wins in UFC history. Just turned 32 like a couple of months ago. It's amazing what this guy's accomplished. No, he doesn't get enough credit. And, and, and that's one of the things. With some guys, it takes longer than others. You know what I mean? Oliveira's had a long, hard road. But like you said, I mean, the guy's got 28 of his 31 wins are by finish. He's got a 90% finish rate. Um, you know, has the record for most finishes in the UFC, uh, most submission wins in the UFC, most performance of the night bonuses, uh, second most post-fight bonuses in UFC history. I mean, the guy is an absolute stud. He's, he's just got to keep grinding and knocking him down, and eventually his day will come. Usman's another one that never got the credit until, you know, just recently. And Oliveira doing it in perhaps the toughest weight class to do it in in the sport. 100%. Now, right now, seven of the UFC's champions are between 32 and 34 years of age. You've watched the sport for such a long time. Do you believe that to be a mixed martial arts athletic prime is between those years? I always look at the prime between, uh, you know, 28, 29, 30. But maybe you're right. Maybe in MMA, that, that is the prime. Yeah, we only have two champions in their 20s right now. you got Moreno, and I guess Piotr Jan's the interim champion, but you got Jan, Moreno, and Rose. Everybody else seems to be almost at the latter part of their career. It's just kind of interesting to see that happen at this stage. There's just so much to learn for these athletes, and Dustin Poirier explains it in a kind of a cool way. He says, "There's this is like your mind is down here when you start, and your skills and, and I guess, your, your energy level are up here, and that there's just a certain point where they kind of meet. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's an excellent way to, to, to put it, yeah. Yeah, and, and maybe you're right. Maybe that is the, the prime in MMA. Now, Amanda Nunes, she continues to be a sizable favorite in her fights uh, this weekend against Juliana Pena. And I'm not trying to disregard Pena when I ask this, but do you believe that a bout with Valentina Shevchenko is on the horizon? Shevchenko, also a massive favorite in most of her fights. They fought twice before. Do you think in 2022, should Nunes beat Pena, that we're going to see that fight? <clears throat> I don't know if that fight needs to happen. I don't know. I've thought about it a lot. You know, they're both incredible in their own weight classes why they already fought twice why do it again you know i would imagine if they wanted to do it bad enough and the fans wanted it bad enough i would do it but um you know i, I don't i don't see much point in it well, i'm curious who do you think is the toughest test for nunez in the sport right now like if you were to pick any one opponent and say this person has the best chance of beating amanda nunez is it valentina i don't know I honestly don't know that. I just, I, I think that Amanda Nunes is, you know, and here's the thing that's unfair for, for Valentina. Uh, you know, she's a lot bigger than her. You know what I mean? Amanda Nunes is bigger than her. She, 35 and 45 pound women, she can fight. Um, you know, Valentina is without a doubt the baddest woman in the world in her weight division and below. You know what I mean? But to move up with that much weight, yeah, can she hang? Will it go to a split decision? And, and you know what I mean? So it's, it's tough to call. Absolutely. And we know that the featherweight division took a bit of a hit this past week. Felicia Spencer announced that she's retiring from the sport. How much of a future does this division have in the UFC? And right now, uh, the biggest uh, female uh, free agent in the sport is Kayla Harrison. She fights at 55, 45. Do you think that this division has a future in the UFC? I have that division. You know, the division is still there for the champ. You know, the day she says she doesn't want to defend that, that belt anymore, we'd probably let it go. It's, it's there for her. Um, 
you know, and, and, and I'm interested in the whole Kayla Harrison thing. She thinks she's the best in the world. There's only one way to find out. Come over here and, and, and fight the GOAT. Have there been talks with her? She is a free agent. She's been meeting with the different promotions. Yeah, she, she, you know, she, she, she's been talking to us. Yeah, for sure. You had mentioned last year you didn't think that she could necessarily hang with the best women in the promotion. Uh, but it seems like her aspiration is to be the greatest of all time. And there's only one way to do that. Would you agree? Yeah. There's only one way to do that. You want to be the greatest of all time? You come fight the GOAT. Well, they're trained friends and uh, training partners, but it seems like they understand uh, that business is business. Well, you know, the, first of all, Amanda Nunez is one of the best athletes I've ever worked with. Uh, you know, and she doesn't play all that goofy. We're just, we're friends. <laughs> and she doesn't seem to play around much. She's, uh, no, she she's happy not. to face anybody. Uh, Cody Garbrandt yeah. faces Kai Kara-France in his uh, flyweight debut this uh of course, this weekend at UFC 269. Now, he was scheduled to fight for the title late last year. Should he get a win against Kai Kaurafranz? Is he right there in the title picture at flyweight? Yeah, I mean, he is... Uh... Let me look at this thing. I mean, Kai Kaurafranz is ranked number six. So a win over him. Yeah. Might put him in the top five. Do you think this can revive his career? Is uh, this this new look at 125 pounds? He's telling me he's never felt better. He's saying he feels incredible. Should have done this a long time ago. Um, we'll find out on Saturday. If you look at the weights, when he was fighting in California, they released the fight night weights. He actually weighed less than Henry Cejudo did on fight night. And Cejudo was fighting at 125 that night. He was fighting TJ at 135. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, no, he's saying he feels great. He said he feels incredible, and uh, he thinks he really made a big mistake in his career not doing it sooner. Now, there have been some reports uh, that have surfaced recently about uh, cards coming to London, England in March. Uh, now Columbus, Ohio was another report at the end of March. Is this just some one-off events being fight nights, or are we looking to start resuming fight nights at different locations You know, as of April after these events? Yeah. I mean, I've said it many times. I'm looking to, you know, we're, we're traveling around. We're only going to go to places that, that are easy to do business in and, and that we can roll in and, and don't have to worry about any, any nutty. Shit. Does London fit under those into that category right now? I don't, I don't know what the situation is. I don't know. They're, they're, they're hot and cold. One minute they are and one minute they're not. So are you just not looking too far down the road because we don't know what's going to happen. Everything's always seemingly up in the air right now. Are you just taking it kind of a couple months at a time? hundred percent taking it a week at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Last we spoke, you mentioned that you were trying to get a fight for Hamza Shemaev by the end of the year. It doesn't look like that's going to happen at this point in time with only two cards left. How soon can we expect to see him back in the UFC? Yeah, I don't know. We're, we're trying. We're working on that one. Um, yeah. He's not very popular with the other fighters. He's popular with the fans, but... Well, in the last hour, uh, Neil Magny was on the MMA Hour and was talking about how he wants to fight. Uh, Shemaev, he's screaming from the rooftops. Is that a potential fight? Yeah, possibly. So you don't have a particular opponent right now for comes at that you have penciled in that you're just waiting for paperwork to come in or anything like that? We do. You do, okay. Uh, any any tips, any, any hints? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, I've noticed a trend with you, and I, I don't mean to dig into your personal life here, but you've been uh, betting on guys like uh, Canelo Alvarez to win inside the distance. You bet on Terrence Crawford to win inside the distance. You were quiet when Teofimo Lopez fought. Did you lose any money betting on Teofimo Lopez? He was I, a big I didn't team in that bet fight. on that fight. No, I didn't bet on that fight. I bet on, I bet on Tyson Fury by knockout, Canelo by knockout, and Crawford by knockout. Well, so he was the next big name. What was your hesitation on betting? Uh, obviously, it was the yeah, right well, there decision. Were two. Well, then when I started doing it, I got... You know, Anthony Pettis is calling me now saying, hey, let's bet on this one. Let's do this. He, you know, we talked about a couple of those fights, but I didn't like them. I felt like I didn't I didn't I didn't know enough about it. Wasn't into it. I felt like Crawford was going to go in. Many, many people believed that Crawford wouldn't knock Porter out. And, and I believe that he could. So so that's why I laid the money on him. And, and I don't I don't sports bet a lot. I don't like betting on sports. I was actually going to bet on the Patriots against the Bills the other night. And uh, and then all of a sudden I saw the weather and I was like, yeah, no way. I'm betting on this game with this weather. It should have been the other way around. You should have bet more money because Belichick in those situations is like he's the general. Like he knows what he's they, – they didn't even have, have a quarterback for the most part. They just kept running the ball down the Bills' throat. You got, you got a rookie quarterback <laughs> who came from Alabama, okay? And they ain't playing in 55-mile-an-hour winds that, that makes it like – 10 below zero with the chill wind chill factor and snow and, you know, rain. And he's not used to playing in that. Yeah. Someone dug up a tweet from Mac Jones from a couple of years ago where he said, I I've never seen snow before. So your instincts are probably right on that one. Uh yeah. And, and the game almost gave me a heart attack as it was. If I had a bunch of money on it, it would have killed me. So I'm glad I did. I don't, I don't sports bet. And finally, I want you to weigh in on what's been a, a hotly contested debate in uh, the mixed martial arts space. Who's the best boxer in mixed martial arts? You got all these different guys coming out of the woodwork saying that it's them. Do you have a, an opinion on this? Who's arguing about it? Connor and Max and who else? Hey, we got Piotr Jan, people are saying is the best. Uh, Dustin Poirier wants the credit. Adrian Yanez, uh, who fought this past weekend once or a couple weeks ago, wants some credit. All these guys want to declare themselves to be the best boxer. But you've been around the sport and the sport of boxing for such a long time. I'm curious to hear what your input is. So they're arguing over whether they're the best boxer in the sport. Mm-hmm. I have no idea, man. It's just, it's such a difference. It's so different. You know, I, I, I don't like the idea of any of these guys boxing. Obviously, if you look at Connor and Mayweather, not only did Connor um, do well, he looked good. He looked like he belonged in there. He didn't look like a guy that, that didn't belong in their boxing. You know what I mean? Um, whether he's the best in the sport, I honestly don't know the answer to that. Do you ever think about holding cards, like boxing cards with the guys on the UFC roster? Or is that just kind of a waste of time because you're taking them out of the cage? No, I think it's silly. I think these guys that put on fights where there's different fights going on with different rules and all this shit is absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, it's just it's not for me. All right, Dana, pleasure speaking with you. This is the, the fight I've been most looking forward to in 2021. Charles Oliveira. Dustin Poirier for, I think, the champion of the best division in the sport. Uh, thanks for joining me. Really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again in the new year. Thanks for having me, buddy. Please be joined now by the diamond, Dustin Poirier, looking to become the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. And it sounds like competition's uh, already getting started in, in your house. I hear the, uh, the ping pong table is going, uh, going loud. It's a ping pong marathon. <laughs> it's going it's to stop Sunday when everybody leaves and heads back home. But Saturday to Sunday, nonstop ping pong every day. How competitive does it get? Are there bets made on all the different games? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> it's a real, it's the bum Olympics. <laughs> What's the most that somebody's lost in terms of money playing ping pong against you in like in one of these environments? Uh, I'm the one losing money probably. I don't know. <laughs> I, not this trip. Last trip was probably the, the money bets. <laughs> Well, this is the final check left uh, on your, I guess, MMA bucket list is becoming the undisputed champion of the lightweight division. Do you ever think about what's next after that? Do you, do you want to add more to it? Or are you just going to be satisfied and be able to go into every single fight with a clear head from here on out? I mean, I'll be getting my hand raised and being the world champion Saturday night. I'll be content with my whole MMA career. Um, I have done everything I wanted to do, done everything I set out to do. And I'd be very happy. Um, but that being said, I'm just thankful for the journey, the guy I am, um, because of fighting, all the lessons I've learned, the position I put me and my family in. It's, it's been incredible. So there's nothing that's next after that in your mind? Nothing that you really want to accomplish beyond that that really would, would mean a lot to you? As far as mixed martial arts goes? Well, yeah. I mean, I know outside of the cage you have a lot of aspirations in terms of what you can do in terms of fundraising. But yeah, in terms of just mixed martial arts. Not really, no. Two division champion, nothing like that has been something that's you know been on your mind. No, just getting the undisputed world title. Now I've heard you talk about the first loss that you ever had to Connor, and and how much it really hurt you because you were so close to being in title contention. Would you say that the devastation from that loss was worse than the I guess elation of beating him both times that you were able to do so? Yeah, for sure. I was uh, more down on myself for a longer period of time than I was excited about beating him these last two times. How long does the joy last? Like after you, after you beat him, um, I'm, I'm sure after the first one you probably thought you were going to face him again, but how long does the joy last? I'm not sure, man. I didn't put a timer on it, but <laughs> I'm still happy. You know, I'm, I'm still happy, but... Onto, onto the world title. Are you at all disappointed in how he's handled those losses? I mean, he got a lot of goodwill from the public for how he handled the Diaz losses. It seems like he's gone in the other direction with the two times he's faced you. Uh, I, don't, I don't really care, man. <laughs> all right, well, let's talk about Charles Oliveira then. I mean, is it refreshing to face a guy like Charles? I know you make your, your list of things that are inside your, I guess, your circle of things that actually matter to you during fight week and things that are outside of it. But I imagine having a guy like Charles is probably a lot less things outside of that box that you have to worry about. Yeah, I'm excited about it, about fighting him. He's, um, you know, very talented, very dangerous world champion and a guy who's been around a long time. We've been swimming in the same waters for a long time, up at 55, down at 45. We both had a, a long career in the UFC. So this is a very, a lot of experience heading into this title fight. I was actually thinking today about how odd it is that your paths never cross because you guys are both such active fighters. You fought in the two, I guess, two divisions at the same time on two occasions. It's just kind of weird that that never ended up happening. Yeah, and we've both been around for over a decade, but what better time? Yeah, absolutely. It seems like you guys are both uh, in the absolute primes of your career. Uh, and obviously, Charles winning a title. That's got to be one of the best stories we've seen. And then you see Clover Teixeira this year win the title uh, after so many years of toiling away. If you win the title, do you feel like you fit into that same box as these two guys? I know I do. I know I do. And there's a few other names on the list that you left out. Robbie Lawler, Michael Bisbing. Um, I'll be on that list. But you're still 32, right? I mean, when I think of Bisping, I think of guys that are right at the end where people have completely written them off. 
I feel like Charles Oliveira was somebody that people were never even really talking about becoming a champion. And then Glover, I guess, is in the same kind of category as Bisping. You've been an interim champion uh, before, but this to you, I guess, is, is the culmination of all of this hard work? Of course, of course. This is a lifetime's work, 25 minutes to, to call myself the champ. I heard an interview that you did as well where you talked about uh, a mis- the mistake that you made against Khabib, how you probably could have just settled for losing the round and continued to fight the rest of that fight. Uh, do you feel like you're going to be put in similar situations against Charles Oliveira, a guy who's just such a potent finisher, a creative guy? There is a high chance that that could happen, you know, that I could be in some bad, some bad spots with, uh, with his grappling. But hopefully I can take the lessons learned in previous fights, like you said, and apply them here, be smarter, use a better fight IQ and come back out the next round. Do you think Charles is the best finisher in UFC history? If you look at the weight class and, and how frequently he's been able to do it? As far as jiu-jitsu goes, yeah, numbers prove that. And he's actually never been to the championship round. He's the only champion right now in the UFC that has never been to a round four or five. Um, are you hoping to take him to those deep waters? I would love nothing more than to take him into those fourth and fifth rounds with both of us exhausted, bleeding, and hurting. That would be a, a pleasure. Now, I know a lot of people don't like to watch tape on their opponent because you see them do all these dynamic things and you, you start to think about that and worry about that. Do you fall into that category or do you like to watch tape of your opponents, especially a guy like Charles where he has all these highlight reel finishes uh, in order to get a better feel for what he's able to do? I, d- I definitely watch tape, but I don't obsess over it. You know, like on sleepless nights, I'll get up and go sit on my computer and, and see what I, I, I'm noticing him, different tendencies or... Like you said, finishes, things that he would, did really well. And on the opposite side of that, things he didn't do very well. I, I watch it, but I don't obsess over video. Uh, I think the UFC does give out a Fighter of the Year award. I was going to say it's uh, not really an official designation, but I think they give that out. If you get a win here against Charles Oliveira, you have the two wins against Conor this year as well. You'd probably be in consideration along with Conor Usman for the Fighter of the Year. Would getting that designation mean anything to you? Of course. It, that's awesome, man. I would love to get recognized as being the Fighter of the Year, but... Got our hands full Saturday first, then we'll, we'll think about that. All right, Dustin, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, I can't wait for this fight personally. This is the fight I've most looked forward to in 2021, yourself versus Charles Oliveira. Two guys that have taken the long road, and I really look forward to seeing what happens on Saturday. Appreciate your time. Thank you, man. He is O Campeo, Do Bronx. Charles Oliveira joins me right now. A big event, UFC 269 coming up uh, this coming weekend against Dustin Poirier, a massive event. Uh, We have Carol translating for us, so thank you to Carol. And uh, my first question for you, Charles, obviously Dustin Poirier, a lot of people consider him to be the uncrowned champion of the division. Obviously, you don't buy that, but do you believe that a win over Dustin Poirier will get you more respect in the mixed martial arts community? É como eu falei, né? As pessoas gostam do Dustin, né? Mas foi como você acabou de falar, ele é o campeão sem o cinturão. Então, dia 11, a gente está lá para mostrar que realmente o campeão tem nome, se chama Charles Oliveira, Charles do Bronx. E eu estou muito feliz com o que está acontecendo. Uhum. Uh, people love, love Dustin, and like you said, he's seen as the uncrowned champion. But I'll show on Saturday who the real champion is, that the belt has an owner, and his name is Charles Oliveira. And I'm happy with this fight. I'm ready, and I'll show that on Saturday. Now, you have the most finishes in UFC history, but one thing that you can possibly do is get the most performance bonuses. If you get the fight of the night and the performance of the night, you'll eclipse Donald Cerrone for the most bonuses in UFC history. Does that mean anything to you? 
Com certeza, eu entrei no UFC para fazer história. Minha primeira entrevista, eu falei que eu entrei para fazer história. Eu queria ser um cara conhecido, famoso, queria quebrar os, queria quebrar os recordes do UFC. Eu já sou maior em corrida de finalizações, quero quebrar o recorde de bônus, tudo aquilo que eu puder quebrar, a gente quer quebrar. Quero aumentar meu legado. Absolutely. I said in my first interview with the UFC back then that I wanted to make history and I'm making history. I'm here to continue breaking these records and I'm proud of it and it's something that motivates me. Another thing I imagine you're very proud of is your football club, your lifelong uh, football club, Corinthians, has named you an official ambassador and you went and spoke to the team before they got a big win. Uh, what does that mean to you in, in terms of the accomplishments that you've had so far? Sinto muito feliz, muito orgulhoso, né, de ser embaixador do Corinthians, o time do meu coração, poder estar com o time ali, poder dar um pouco da minha, né, falar um pouco ali, isso me deixa muito orgulhoso, isso aí mostra o quanto que o Deus é bom na minha vida, né? Então, estou muito grato. Um, I'm really proud of it, be able to be so close to the team that I love, um, be able to talk to everyone and share with them my story as well. So, I feel really proud of it and really happy about it. When you were there, all the players wanted to take photos with you. I imagine that's probably pretty surreal for you as somebody who has idolized all these players for such a long time. Na realidade, foi uma troca, foi uma troca de informações, né? Eu queria bater foto com eles, eles também queriam bater foto comigo, né? Foi, foi, foi como eu falei para eles, né? São é coisas que eu nunca vou esquecer na minha vida, né? Foi muito bom poder estar ali, poder tirar foto, poder brincar, poder curtir um pouco, poder falar um pouco, poder ver também se que eles gostam do meu trabalho, como eu também gosto muito do trabalho deles. Né, poder trocar informações, camiseta, então foi muito legal. Uh, it was just a beautiful exchange, you know. I wanted to take pictures with them, they wanted to take pictures with them. We just exchanged information and just shared this. Uh, I'll never forget it for sure, and it's just amazing that I got to have that opportunity, and I'm really grateful for it. One fighter who seems to continue to mention your name is Justin Gaethje. He was saying... He believes that you are the easier matchup between yourself and Dustin Poirier. He's not impressed with the competition that you faced. Uh, what kind of a message do you have for Justin Gaethje? And were you ever offered a fight with Justin Gaethje prior to becoming champion? Olha, não vou, não vou mandar para ele, mandar para todo mundo. Acho que na realidade esses caras são os papagaios e gostam de ficar falando. Eles gostam de aparecer. Eles querem aparecer de alguma forma, então eles ficam falando o meu nome. Isso é bom, porque eu aprendi que não é visto, não é lembrado, né? Então, de qualquer forma, meu nome está na mídia de todas as formas. Se eles acham que é a coisa mais fácil se fazer é lutar comigo, manda eles vir. Né? Não tenho nada, pra, nada contra eles. Tô lá pra fazer meu trabalho. Se deu tudo der certo e vai dar dia 11 eu vencer, vamos esperar aqui um próximo. Se for ele, aí eles vão ver o que acontece. I won't send him uh, a message. I'll send everyone a message. Um, they like to get attention like that, you know, and keep bringing me up and you know i've learned that if like people don't talk about you then you're not remembered so good like keep talking about me um i know that if i'm the easiest fight then let's do it let let's see if i'm the easiest fight for real um i'm prepared for anything if they want to face me i'm ready for it and i'll show them i'll give them a hard time you know they know that one thing I noticed uh, about your resume, you're the only champion right now in the UFC that has never actually been to the championship rounds. Is that something that you hope to do one day, is to show that you can go four or five rounds, or are you happier to just get the fast finish? Olha, não deixa na mão do juiz. A gente vai acontecer, a minha equipe, meus professores, todos eles querem que eu vou lá no local que finalize. Isso vai acontecer de novo. I don't like it to leave it to the judges, you know. Uh, my team and I, we work to not let it go to the judges' hand, and that's what will happen again.
Well, you've certainly proven that 31 wins, only three of them have gone to the judges. So uh, I think that you've proven that the, the judges are probably not somebody that you want to, to deal with uh, in your career. So uh, definitely good to see that. Now, one other uh, fighter I want to ask you about is Islam Makashev. You know, a couple of years ago, when you were still coming up in the lightweight division, I said, I want to see Khabib against Charles Oliveira, because I think that's the most interesting matchup for Khabib, because should Khabib take Charles Oliveira down, Charles has so many attacks that he can offer off of his back. Now, we're not going to see the fight with Khabib, but Islam Makashev is also on the rise right now. Is that somebody that you expect to face in the future? And do you think that if he does take you down, he's going to be in a lot of trouble? Olha, a gente, é, o Khabib merece todo o respeito do mundo por toda a história que fez. Né? Muita gente estava cogitando essa luta também do Isma, mas a gente, sentando aqui, conversando com um dos meus professores, que é o Medeiros, a gente falou muito que né, o, o Isma merecia fazer uma luta com um cara duríssimo, e a gente cogitou de ser o Ben Dariush, né? Então, eu creio que quem passar dessa luta aí será o próximo desafiante ao título. Né? Tanto o Isma quanto o Ben Dariush são dois caras duríssimos, merecem o respeito. E como eu sou campeão, quem vem a gente vai estar pronto para lutar. Né, isso, isso é mais importante, a gente está pronto para lutar mas a luta agora, essa luta vai ser uma luta muito boa, vai ser uma luta muito boa de serviço porque são dois caras que são bons em pé, dois caras que são agarrado, na parte agarrada e vamos ver o que vai dar Yeah, I mean, Khabib deserves all the respect, you know, a lot of people also talked about me facing Islam at some point and I feel like whoever wins from this fight against uh, with Benio Darius, you know this should be a very tough fight and will probably be very close to the belt uh, once that is over, you know, they are both very well-rounded athletes and will be a war for sure. Uh, so it's interesting to watch all of that unfold. Give me your rankings. Who would be the most difficult to the least difficult of these opponents? You've got Dustin Poirier, Islam Makhachev, uh, Justin Gaethje, Benil Dariush, and Conor McGregor. From the most difficult to the least difficult, how would you rank them? Não tem como a gente falar isso aí. O mais difícil da categoria se chama Charles Oliveira, esse é o cara mais imprevisível que se tem. Não tem como a gente colocar quem é o primeiro e quem é o segundo. A gente pode falar aquilo que a gente, que a gente acha. O mais imprevisível da categoria se chama Charles Oliveira. Isso é impossível de fazer, sabe? Tudo que nós sabemos é que o mais difícil, o mais imprevisível do homem nessa divisão é chamado Charles Oliveira. E isso é tudo que nós sabemos. Quem é o segundo, o terceiro ou o que we don't know, but we know the toughest guy, and the toughest guy is Charles Oliveira. So Charles Oliveira is number one on all of their lists, but you don't have to come up with a list because that, that's the rankings. Um, and finally, the holiday seasons are coming up. Last year, you went to the favelas and you provided all kinds of food and, and uh, different things for the holidays for the families. Are you planning on doing that again this year? This year, it's the same thing. Voltando dos Estados Unidos, a gente já vai começar a fazer os trabalhos de novo para poder doar alimentos, né, para eles poderem ter um Natal e um ano novo melhor. Né, do, que ele teve, do que eles tiveram ano passado. Então, voltando da luta, com certeza a gente vai estar com o trabalho já. A gente já tem cestas básicas guardadas, a gente já tem algumas coisas guardadas, só esperando eu voltar para a gente que a gente possa fazer né, esse trabalho maravilhoso. Mm -hmm. For sure, it will be the same this year. Uh, after this fight, I'll go back to Brazil and we will start organizing it uh, to make sure that these families get, you know, the best for their Christmas and the holidays in general. Um, it will be better than last year, but for sure, we are already planning it out. And as soon as I'm back, we'll put that into practice. Well, it's a great thing for you to do. Like you said, the Favela won. We'll see if the Favela wins again 10 in a row on the line against Dustin Poirier. It's a UFC 269, the main event. Uh, thank you for doing this, Charles. And uh, mucho ben, job by uh, Carol. I'm doing the best I can with my Portuguese. But mucho ben, a great job by Carol for the translations. And uh, I hope you have a great day. Thank you for that. Obrigado, só gratidão, Deus abençoe. Thank you, Aaron.
I'm now joined by the only two-division champion right now in the UFC. It's Amanda Nunes, her first time at bantamweight in nearly two years. Does the weight cut feel any different, uh, having not competed in this division for so long? Honestly, I've been so many times in this situation right now. Uh, I get used already. Of course, it's like it's a little bit different, but it's like it's at the same time. It's like I've been here before, so it just it just like go with the the path, and I'm here healthy and ready to go. What's the big difference in terms of your life changes when you do have a fight coming up at 145 versus 135? I think the, the difference is only is like my diet. <laughs> uh, like when I fight at 145, like you, I'm pretty comfortable with my food. I eat, you know, I just train and that's it. So I feel like the only difference is that. <laughs> and how, how far out do you have to start uh, being on, I guess, a more strict diet to make 135? I feel like at, like eight weeks out, and I'm like, because I'm not that kind of person who, who eat like that bad, you know? I just like like couple things really don't help me that much, and I have to cut all those little things that I eat at the side. So <laughs> when I when I started, like, getting things together, the, the ways come out the years. What do you think is the future for the featherweight division? Like I said, last two title defenses for you have been at featherweight with Felicia Spencer and Megan Anderson. Do you think that the division still has a future? Honestly, like, I don't know. Honestly, except to UFC, I'm going to defend. I still have the belt. So, except to them. They had a fight recently that Norma Dumont won. It was a main event, uh, Norma Dumont against Aspen Ladd, a 145-pound main event. Did you like to see that they were still doing fights in the division, especially a main event? Yeah, I, I, of course. Yeah. I feel like if you have it, the girls there line up, I feel like they should. Why not? And a lot of people, I'm sure in every interview, you're being asked about Kayla Harrison, your teammate. Uh, the two of you are friends, but of course, you've both said that it, you know, it's a business proposition if the two of you are going to compete. Um, have you heard anything about her talking to the UFC about potentially joining the promotion? No, no, no. I don't hear anything. But like, except to, except to them. Would you like to see her join the UFC? Like, this is a question, like, it's hers, you know? If you want to be in the UFC, like, it's hers. It's about her. How much does it raise your game to train with her uh, on, a, on a frequent basis because of the different tools that she brings uh, to your training? About a good training partner, you know? Big, strong, like, it's amazing. And we've heard Dana White say that he doesn't think that Kayla Harrison would do well in the UFC, that she wouldn't be able to hang with the best fighters uh, in the division. When you hear that, do you believe that to be true? Honestly, everybody have your own, like, thought, thoughts. And uh, Dana White's Dana White, he would he say, you know? Like, don't have much to say about that, honestly. So moving on to your opponent th uh, this weekend, Juliana Pena. Usually, your opponents don't like to talk that much. They don't like to, to talk uh, trash towards you, say anything bad. Juliana Pena's been kind of different. Do you like that? Do you like having somebody that gives you some fuel going into a fight? I do. I do. Actually, she's doing, like, very good with her mouth. By, by the way, you guys tell me. So, I feel like she's doing the right thing. You know, she has to, to, to do something really to 
get it that fight because she never wore a contender, you know. So she opened her mouth and she got here. So I don't think she did anything wrong. I feel like you like to have an opponent that gets you excited about fighting them, that, that talks, uh, that either talks trash or just the idea that they think they can beat you is something that, that gets you going. I love those. I love those opponents. It's, for me, it's my favorite opponents. It's like Juliana, exactly like Juliana Payne. So that really brings me, bring like the best of me. I like that. Now that I take anything personal, it just make my skills better, you know? Now, one opponent that didn't talk much trash about you uh, in the past, one of the nicer people that you fought is Felicia Spencer. Very, very uh, nice human being. Uh, decided to retire this last week. Um, what, what can you tell me about Felicia Spencer and what you think she meant to uh, the UFC and, and mixed martial arts? You know, like a very tough opponent. Felicia really, like, we really put a show. It was five rounds, war. And I feel like she now she like want to like, do all the things with her life. And I respect that decision a lot. I know it's like sometimes when you take so much hate, hate in your, in your head, in your life, so you started like really think, think a little bit like, I want to live it longer, you know? I want to have like my brain to like be able to stay, stay alive for, for like for, for years more, you know? Do all the things. I feel like she, she did it a lot for this sport, you know? I know what she what is she really like might want to do, she might want a family or, or something like that, give you all the attention for all the things. And she did everything she has, you know. So like she oh, fight for the belt, you know, like did big fights against Cyborg, all those things. I feel she, she did a lot. And and she finally like retired, but like, I don't think she's like sad or anything because she did everything. She was not be able to to get the belt, but like at least she accomplished getting it. Tried to to do that. Yeah, she became one of the best fighters in the world at uh, at her particular weight class. Oh, no problem. Uh, she she became one of the best in the world at her particular weight class, and that's a, a big accomplishment, like you said. Um, yeah, in another sport or in another um, show as well. So she she was a very good. Very good fighter. Yes, absolutely. Do you feel more connected with the fighters that you've shared the cage with for 25 minutes for the longer fights? Uh, well, like, you, you see how tough the opponent is when they hang with you, like, for, for all those minutes, you know? I feel like it's not that you give all the respect, but you, you really, like, wow, she handled. Congratulations. And you talk about her thinking about her long-term health and her family going forward. Is that something that you give some thought to? I mean, I look at you and your history. Uh, nine of your 15 UFC wins, your opponents landed less than 10 strikes on you. So, I mean, it's not like you're taking yeah. too much damage, but do you think about it much? If, if, you, if I look at that way, if I were Felisa, I would, I would think the same. You know, if he, I don't be able to really uh, move my head that much, be able to, to like change a couple things to not be able to get hit that much, I would, I would have done the same thing, you know, but like, I'm, how I, I think right now is like, if I were her, I would retire, but like, I'm not her, so I still have a lot to, 
to put it into the table in this sport because I feel like I evolve with this sport, you know? Like if I have to move my head and make sure I, I nobody connects it more punchy, I'm gonna like be able to try to do that, you know? I'm gonna move forward and nobody's gonna be able to jab or, or connect any punches. So I feel like you have to evolve. If you will be able to, to do that, I feel like time to really like maybe retire. And finally, I've watched some videos of a Reagan. I saw she's walking now. So it's, uh, she's just over a year old. What is it, 14 months now? 13? 14. 14. 14, 14 months. Yeah, she's walking. She's, she looks like uh, she's having so much fun in life. Um, now, now that you have uh, a daughter and you have uh, a child, does that take some of the pressure that you feel off from being champion? If you're not thinking about being champion all the time and everybody wanting to face you and try to take your belts, do you feel like that allows you to let go of some of the pressure that you once felt before you had a child? Honestly, like, it's, it's more happy and enjoyable and everything else. But I also, it's like, it's, I remind, remind me more that I'm a champion with her because it's like having more exposure now, you know, because I have her. And, and a lot of people come talk to me and then they want to see Reagan. <laughs> so that the attention is is more than before so but like have her for me is better for sure like more like i can take that attention away i never was never was for me very like heavy being a fighter being a fighter for me you know i always like was like smooth but with reagan is even more I be able to like really being like normal with her. He's like, it's not, it's not bothering me. Was something that I was thinking, have a baby would like, how, how is gonna be fighting with me? So when I have her last time, he was like, this is amazing. I never thought it would be like that. So in this time is the same. She like, she make me happy. She make me like, no, like be normal. Like I'm home. I'm very to hear, uh, happy to hear you say that. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I see Nina in the background. Thank you, Nina. And uh, best of luck this thank weekend you. against Juliana Pena. Thank you. He will open up the main card this weekend at UFC 269 against Howley and Paiva. There's so many of these UFC events, I can't keep track of the numbers. But uh, it's nice to see you again, Sean. Howley and Paiva, why was this an appealing opponent for you when it came across your desk? Uh, it was the only opponent. I mean, it was the it was the one they offered. They said, "You want to fight Piva UFC 269?" Of course, I'm going to say yes. Um, you know, he was he was ranked number 15 at the time. He's not ranked anymore. Not that big of a deal. Um, you know, I think it's an interesting matchup. The fans are going to have a good uh, good time watching. What do you think of the ranking system as a whole? Uh, you know, I always think that a lot of the fighters aren't judged based on skill, but rather who they've beaten. And of course, if fighters that are more highly skilled uh, aren't willing, or I guess highly ranked rather, aren't willing to face some of the lower ranked fighters or unranked fighters who they believe might have more skill than them, it's going to be hard for those fighters to raise up the rankings. Yeah, I think the rankings are silly. Um, I guess it depends what your main main goal. If it is just to get to a UFC title shot, I don't necessarily think it's like, you know, number six has to beat number three or what you know what I mean I, I just don't think it really is that much of a 
um, you know, Cheeto, you know, beat me and he, he fought Jose Aldo after I wasn't ranked. Jose was like six or something. So I just don't think that's really the, it, it, it could be an excuse for some fighters to not want to fight backwards, but, um, I don't know. Rankings are, are silly. So when they offer you Paiva, you don't go back and talk to your people and say, hey, do you think this is a good opponent for me? It's just, you know, this is who they want you, me to fight. I'll take it. Is that the way that you operate? Yeah, they offered me Paiva. You know, I sent it to, to Tim. Me and Tim looked at it and we're like, yeah, that's, that's a, that fight makes sense. Let's do it. It was pretty simple. And of course, it is opening up the main card. Uh, are you looking to be on fight night cards, for example, where you would be the headliner five rounds? Is that something that you're eager to, to jump into? Not a chance. I. I don't want to fight an extra 10 minutes for an extra couple thousand dollars. Hell no. I'd rather just keep fighting on, you know, main cards on on, the, on this, on the, the you know, big pay-per-views. How does the salary structure work? So you have to basically fight out your contract. Um, I imagine you're probably on your second or third by now. And that's when you can renegotiate. And that's when, I guess, those bigger fights start to become um, something that's more of a consideration for you because the financial um, threshold raises. You nailed it. I don't even got to answer that. Yeah, you nailed it. So which contract are you on? Are you on your second, third? Um, I think I'm on my third. So when, uh, how many more fights do you have left, if you don't mind me asking? Three. So three fights left. So then after that, is that when it gets back to the drawing board? Or, or can they come to you at any time and say, we want to extend you for whatever, this many fights at this rate? Yeah, I mean, technically they could come to me and... and, and renegotiate before the contract's over um so i'm just gonna do what i think is best for me and and uh just win fights now you've done a really good job in terms of your brand in terms of what you're doing outside of the cage tomorrow you actually have uh i guess you would call it a token an nft that's launching uh if you're whitelisted on discord you can get access to that and then it's open to the public in two days uh, what made you decide to get into that world yeah the nft you know it's an interesting world i've kept hearing about it hearing about it hearing about it until i kind of finally got on the phone with uh with my buddy emron and he, he really kind of explained it to me um downloaded my open c um in my metamask got all that figured out and then started surfing through the nfts and you know i'm i own probably about five or six nfts now so uh it just makes sense i think it's a very good um it's a collectible it's literally it's the same thing as is trading cards uh, but in, in this new generation of nfts and i really really like and I'm very excited for this specific drop um, to drop. Are you managed by Vayner Sports? Because AJ is very well-versed in, in this world. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably a guy you want to get on the, on the phone with to talk about this as well. I mean, uh, Gary and AJ seem to be really connected with that. Where I see AJ is always changing his Twitter avatar or whatever the, the latest acquisition of his is on the NFT world. Right. Yeah, so uh, another one, question I wanted to ask you about is, uh, you're from Helena, Montana. You know, this is a small city. It's got 30-something thousand people. And I went and looked at the notable people that have come from this city. It's all these really big names in the arts, in sports, uh, in politics. What makes this city, uh, I guess, such a melting pot for people that are able to, you know, move on to these really big things uh, in the world? I couldn't name one person from Helena that's made it out of there. I don't even, give me an example. I, I don't know. I've I've never met anybody or heard anybody if that just came out of Montana. Are you are you a music fan? Like the, the lead singer of Modest Mouse, the lead singer of the Decemberists uh, is from there. A bunch of baseball players have come out of there. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, is from Helena, Montana. So there, there were a lot of names that I I just found very intriguing that came out of the city. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Um, Helena's a 
Helena was Helena. I haven't been back in a while, so I don't know. It could have changed. I'm pretty sure the suicide rate there is pretty high. Um, you know, it's cold. It's really cold most of the year. Um, it's a place where I, I wanted to get out of as soon as possible, to be honest. It, it, you know, it created a – I feel like I'm a good person, and, and I think, you know, a lot of that's from growing up in Helena, small town. And uh, But, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. Helena's Helena. – can't explain it much more than that. It seems like when you were growing up, though, you had this mentality that you were going to do big things one day. Where do you think that came from? Yeah, I don't know. I was very delusional. I thought I was going to play in the NFL for, at some point. You know, I just, I didn't, you know, when you're surrounded by equal athleticism and stuff, you don't really see the other, uh, other, you know, when I moved to Phoenix, I realized there was levels to, to everything. Uh, and Helen, I didn't really understand that. So I kind of was delusional. I thought I was superior athlete and stuff. But, you know, you, and I still feel like I'm an elite level athlete, naturally gifted. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, like, when you went to Phoenix, for example, you probably took a lot of lumps along the way. A lot. So, do. so when did you kind of have that wake-up call where it's like, okay, well, I thought it was something special, and now I've really got to work to, to prove it to myself? The first day I walked into the MMA lab, I realized I wasn't shit. And that's when you, I guess, had to realize that you needed to step up. How old were you at that time? 18? 18. Yeah, so, so 18. you enter the gym, and you got guys like Benson Henderson, all these kind of big names that were at the lab at the time. Um, you get in there with them, and it's just like, how much hard, how did that... Yeah. Uh, motivate you to keep a stay with it and b um you know keep improving working at your craft yeah it was it was definitely tough you know there was a lot of mental battles going back and forth like is this really for me and then you know i would take a you know that night i'd I'd calm down a little bit i remember crying after a lot of practices like damn i am not even close to where i thought i was um you know i got a lot of work to do but i always for whatever reason had that in my mind that if i just worked harder than everyone if i just went to the gym more than everyone i could be better than them and that's what i did i just kept kept showing up consistently year after year after year day after day twice a day and just kept improving and, and got to a point where my skills were, were up there and then it's you know, on top of this game a lot of it's mindset so was there any sort of singular moment where you're like yeah i can be big in this sport like i can do really big things um not a singular moment. I think I was kind of always thinking that, even those that you know I had my tough days for sure. Um, so I probably wasn't thinking it in those moments, but but I'd say the majority of the time I was thinking I could I could be something big. I could I could blow up for whatever reason. I thought that I didn't you know I didn't plan on having crazy hair, or tattoos on my face. Like I didn't plan any of that. I didn't think any of that's what would do it. I, I just knew you know I was knocking people out when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. I was still knocking people out. Like, I'd still take amateur fights and go out there and knock people out. So I was just like, I had that confidence and I had that that ability. And I knew people enjoyed watching my fights. People in the crowd would get excited when I fought. So I always had that um, in my mind. And I knew, you know, I'd just keep getting better. The, card, the crowd will keep getting bigger. Are you one of these guys that is just much better under the bright lights? You know, I've heard people talk about Conor McGregor and how in the gym, he's, he doesn't stand out that much above the rest. But when it comes time to actually be in the cage, that's when he shines. Are you kind of along those same lines? Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, the, the more people watch and the brighter the lights, I'm going to go out there and perform and do what I have to do. Um, 
I definitely think that I can perform better under the lights and in the main main spotlight than in the gym. It's just a different mindset. The last thing I want to ask you about is I saw an interview that you did where you talked about how uh, when your daughter was born, you almost felt like it was this gift from God because it was something that was actually able to anchor you uh, to being you know, more grounded, more down to earth and not go out and party all the time. Like you feel like you could have gotten swept up in that lifestyle. Um, so talk about your relationship with your daughter and why, and why that is the case, why uh, you've been able to kind of have uh, parenthood be something that keeps you um, from doing things that a lot of athletes can do to get sidetracked from their career. Yeah, you know, you start making more money, you start becoming more popular, you start hanging out with, you know, bigger celebrities, and then, like, you know, I'm, I'm buddies with Logan Paul, Jake Paul, Steve will do it. Like, I have all these people that I can hit up and go and do whatever we want. We can go party in Miami, and I can go to Puerto Rico. Like, I have all these opportunities uh, to go do things. Um, but now, you know, that I have a little girl, it's like, I don't want to miss, I don't want to even put that on Danny to have to watch her while I'm gone partying like there's there's times where I have to go and like I, I it's it's I, I'm still growing my business I'm still shooting vlogs I'm still you know expanding my audience to where there is times where I have to go work but uh yeah I, I'm definitely in a, in a good mindset and a good headspace there all right Sean really enjoyed picking your brain I hear that your phone's ringing so I'll let you go thanks for doing this and uh best of luck on Saturday against Howley and Piva thank you man have a good one I'm pleased to be joined now by the Argentine dagger, Santiago Ponzinibbio. He's going to be taking on Jeff Neal, two of the heaviest hitters in the welterweight division at UFC 269. How's preparation been for this one? I know you're coming off of two very difficult fights. Uh, one was unfortunately a loss, but then a, a, a great performance against uh, Miguel Baeza recently. Yeah, yeah, brother. I'm great, man. Super exciting. Just, just one more step to my belt, you know, uh, Stuff kid, you know, but I'm better than him. I'm gonna show to the world I'm ready for the belt. You know, I'm gonna smash this guy in the UFC 269 and I, I keep moving forward. You know, I'm 8 1 in my last nine fights, you know, in UFC. Shiny guy out of top, you know, a uh, lucky punch. I back him for so long time in activity, but I can show, you know, against Miguel Baez under three, he's coming very confident. I'm back to the game, you know, and I'm very excited for this one, too. Yeah, I think people are sleeping on you. I think I said this to you in your last interview that we did together. You've won eight of your last nine. Uh, very few fighters in the welterweight division that are ranked ahead of you can say that they even have close to as good of a record. Uh, do you feel like people are sleeping on you and have kind of forgotten about how good you are? Man, I really don't care about rankings. No makes sense. I put a lot of good work in this division. You know, I'm eight, one in my last nine fight in UFC, two times... I know come out with a number eight in the world, you know, two different mini events. The other two seconds, Gunnar Nelson, when he coming winning, and after that, I take my period, he's number 15, he coming winning, I finish him. After that, I I take a Neil Magny, I know come out in the fourth round, you know, I, I, man, I, it's a little good fight. I beat Charm Strickland when he's under feet at 15 0, you know, I beat Baeza now with 10 0, you know. Um, I did a lot of work in this division. Um, uh, man, I continue doing my work, you know. I'm going to smash this guy. I'm going to put a great performance and remember to the old world who I am, man. I'm ready for the bet. I know that. I need to go there and prove for everyone to see I'm ready for the bet. 
You mentioned the fight with Li Jinglang. I think a lot of people don't understand what you went through before that fight with the injuries. I was watching a podcast you did with Dan Lambert where you talked all about that and about how Dan Lambert, I think he's only seen one person recover from the kind of injury that you had. Uh, So tell us about how bad that was and, you know, how much doubt there was about whether or not you might even resume your career. Yeah, man, this is a fucking crazy, you know, that's that's bad. That's bad. For I started sick, they they search two bacteria in my body, my blood. They start with the treatment, medication. They have a big line. They go to my heart, a lot of medication. After six weeks, when almost finished, I start with a lot of fever. I need to back to the hospital. They need to change all the medication for they kill all my white gloves in my body, you know, and this is the make the difference to the body. They put me in separate place in the hospital alone. They change all medication. They do a lot of different medical study. I start with another medication, a lot of more weeks with my pig line, you know. After a couple months, they give me medication via oral, you know. After that, I go to Vegas to try to recover in my body. After six weeks, the PT, I know improve. We do MRI. The doctor de Vegas said that I have infection in my bone. Maybe I can fight again in my life. That's very serious. I take a flight the next day back to Florida, go to the doctor, to the infectious doctor to do all the treatment. I said, what is the happen? We start to figure out, do a lot of medical studies, and we search. I have other problems, arthritis, arthritis reactive. Um, we start with a lot of corticoid. Um, Man, then again, medication, again, trying to recover the body. Man, I lose one year and all 2019, take medication. And 2020, I try to back the same athletic I am before the was sick. You know, I have seven victories in a row. I, four guys, I finished by knockout, two times a number eight in the world, in two different many venues. I was number six in the world. I close one more fight, I go to the belt. I doing great job. Um, I try to back for this athletic. They take me a lot of work. Um, man, when I back with Jinglan Lee, I believe I'm better fighting than this guy, man. Just only lucky punch. Just one punch, a lucky punch. You know, it's not he no no beat me for 15 minutes or he no beat me for five minutes and finish me. No, man. The the fight is started slow. I think I'm slower than the other fight. About all this shit I need to pass, you know. I think I start a little low, and when at the end of the first round, when I start to take a little more confidence, I start to put a good kick, a little my jab, he hit me with a lucky punch, and that's it. This is the happen, you know, this MMA. But, you know, after that, I back. I take another fit guy, strong guy, and I can do a 15 minutes at the war. The great fight, you know, it's very slippery. The case in the first round, I need to change my strategy and also take a lot of kicks. I am damaged and, and I, can, I, can, I can, you know, survive and all the things. I did a great fight, reduce my strategy, put my heart, put my volume, my punches. I take punches too, my change is there, you know, and I prove that I'm, I'm back to the game and I'm ready for, for my way to the belt. Is that the fight you're most proud of? Because watching that fight, you had to go through a lot to get to that decision win. You were down pretty big early in that fight, and you really came back and put it on him uh, as the fight went on. Really showed your heart. Yeah, listen, that's not easy. I go with a one strategy. 
in this fight. I like to move, I have my idea. I know he's gonna kick me. I'm gonna make miss the kicks. That's my strategy. When they start to move, the case is very slippery. I can, I can do that. And he hit me. He gave me 21 kicks in the first round. He hurt me a lot. And when I sit, when they finish the first round, I say, man, I'm losing this fight. And after the whole day I passed, we say, I, I, I can't think they're going to lose again. I said, and I changed my strategy. I tried to not move too much, more forward. Anytime that he tried to attack, I put more volume in the punches. I changed. I saw in the second round this works. In the third round, I do the same, but stronger. And, and yeah, for sure, I can show my heart one again, you know, I have, you know. I'm the kind of fighter they do everything in the fight, you know. When Leonardo Santos, when I fight with him in the in the last fight in the tough Brazil, you know, the semifinal of the tough Brazil, I broke my radio. Two minutes, first round. I give the punch when the best guy in the house broke my radio, continue punches. Anytime they put my right hand, there's a gun. And I know there's something is wrong, but I anytime I'm thinking to stop, you know, I do my first round, my second round, my third round, there's a fucking war. I won the fight. And also I broke my radio in 10 parts, you know, but you know, this is the kind of fight that I am and I have a big heart, you know, I, I never thinking to, to stop anytime, you know. Now, Jeff Neal, your opponent, he's going to come out with a lot of urgency. He's somebody who was a similar situation to you. A guy was on his way to the title, had won five in a row. Now he's lost two straight. Uh, what do you think of Jeff Neal, his fighting style, and how do you think he's going to approach this fight? I don't care what he's going to do. I don't care about Jeff Neal. I am focused on myself. I'm going to smash any guy that stop in front of me in my cage. You know, any guy that go in front of me to fight me, I'm going to smash for this is my way for the bet. I lost so much time when I was sick, and man, I paid a really high price, you know, for living my dream. And more than 15 years, I living from my country, from my family, from the friends they grew up, you know. And man, I eat a lot of shit, you know. It's too a lot of ups and downs in my career, you know. The first day when I moved to Brazil, I don't have money in my pocket. I go to Brazil alone, you know. I, too many crazy things. And man, I don't care who's going with me in the case, you know. I gonna smash this guy, you know, my dreams are bigger than anybody, you know. I don't care what the he gonna do, I don't care about nothing, you know. I gonna want to fight, yeah, gonna wanna step closer to my belt. I heard uh, one of these stories that you talked about from uh, your early days in Brazil. That when you wanted to learn mixed martial arts, you walked around and you were just looking for somebody that was wearing a shirt that said jujitsu to train you. Is that true? That's fucking stupid, but this is true, man. <laughs> I, hey, my friend, I started fighting Balletude in Argentina. I say, okay, I need to learn that shit I really like. And my friend passed a ticket, page the ticket, the bus to me to Brazil. I don't have idea what area of Brazil I go in, south, north. I don't have idea. I go there. I put my tent in the camping, I go to the beach, I'm looking for the guy that have a jiu-jitsu shirt, asking where is the play the training, and I give some different place, I take one place to start to training, and I start to train, and I'm back more to Argentina, man. Uh, I start to work in the street, you know, sell things, sell beer in the beach, you know, doing crazy things, after that I start to work in the bars, man, and I do a lot of 
a lot of crazy things, you know, that's the way that I can do, you know, in this moment, I don't have contacts, no have money, no have nothing, you know, they don't have tough Latin America, they don't have uh, nothing, you know, um, this is my first steps, and after that, man, it's too many crazy things happen in my life, you know, good things, bad things, you know, but I'm still here, I'm still with my dream, you know, I'm still focused every day better, you know, and, and, and for sure, man, when I looking for everything I need to pass, man, and I'm looking for my dream and for everything I need to do for to stay here, man, I don't care about the guys, they're going to fight with me, you know, my dreams and my history is bigger, you know, than everyone. They could make a movie about your life. It's it's pretty unbelievable. Some of the stories you were telling us, I, I guess there was one t time where you uh, you gave somebody an empty bag and then you saw them the next day, but they were drunk and they didn't recognize you. <laughs> what was that story? It was something, something strange like that. Yeah, man, I do crazy, crazy things, man. <laughs> crazy things. I work a lot, man. I I do all kinds of work, man. I, I do everything that I can do, you know, to try to eat, man. I, you know, to try to... They move the tent, I go to the different pension, you rent a room, you know, and I try to pass my pay the guy to training, you know, and I try to, to live in, you know, in different country when I don't know about the Portuguese, they are similar, but in this moment I don't have idea about Portuguese, I don't have the the paper to to the document to can work legal, you know, and, and they that's not easy, you know, when you start another place and more what you do in this crazy way, you know? But, man, look at that. I'm here, I'm the best event in the world, you know? Um, I was very close to the belt, but now I am back hungry, I'm back better, and I know I, I'm gonna have my opportunity soon, you know? And this is what I told you, man. This is just one more step for me. This is a great car in UFC 269, I'm very excited to back. And how are, how's everything now with you? How's life uh, in Florida for you and, and your, your living arrangement there? Are good, man. Florida are good. I train America top team, you know, with uh, the best coach in the world, red partners, you know. Um, my, my life is about my career, you know. I train every day, I'm always training, always still learning and also i working a lot with the broadcasting the fights you know in, in spanish i i come in doing this work for a lot of years you know almost six years and and i enjoy a lot i work a lot with that and that's, that's pretty good you know the bad thing is family friends a lot of people in argentina i don't go very often i'm busy but you know i know what for what i do in that you know it's, it's a, a good reason but there's everything good here. Well, you've made a lot of great sacrifices in your life, and uh, it's good to see uh, that you're going to be having a great fight against Jeff Neal. Awesome matchup at UFC 269. Really appreciate your time, Santiago, and I uh, look forward to speaking with you again soon. Yeah, brother, that's a great fight. I know uh, the people are going to very enjoy this fight. It's going to watch this fight. They're going to be fun, for sure. Thank you for the support. Yesterday, the MMA world collectively said bye, Felicia.
unfortunately, retiring from the sport of mixed martial arts at age 31. Uh, Felicia Spencer joins me right now. Thank you for joining me, Felicia. And my, my first question is, when did you think that, I guess, when did you realize that your last fight was indeed going to be your last fight? Uh, well, it was definitely something I had, I actually had, you know, thought about it after my fight with Norma, uh, or even leading up to it. Um, you know, it's definitely been something that I thought about, like the timing of, you know, being, being 30. And, and I know that being still young for a professional fighter sometimes in my mind, it was, it was always kind of the time frame that I, that I thought would work out and, uh, where I was at, you know, just reevaluating everything, uh, you know, especially after my, my brother passed, um, you know, just thinking about my family and how important they are and how I want to be there for my family for a long time. And I don't want them to ever have to see me deteriorate, you know, especially, you know, speaking about like head trauma and that kind of thing. And so either way, after Norma, I was thinking about it, but after a couple of months, I really just didn't feel good about leaving on that note so that really just inspired me to have the best performance ever and then walk away <laughs> so I felt a little guilty kind of going in that you know I didn't want the the opportunity to be not given to me to fight um you know knowing that that was my intention so I never really told anyone besides my husband and I knew obviously <laughs> um but yeah it really inspired me to have you know put my best foot forward and leave with something I was really proud of so so after the last fight did you feel a sense of closure did you feel like you know this is the time to walk away definitively or were you like wow that was a great performance I can probably do this again uh, no I felt really good you know I, um, as much as I felt like anyone in front of me that night I could have beat and you know uh, you know give me someone else I feel like I could do it again there's never a guarantee that it's not going to be a war. You know, Leah could have could have given me a war, and and I was ready for that one last time. But I didn't want to keep putting myself in the position to be in a war. You know, I know I know I'm going to stick it through. I know I'm going to uh, not give up. So to to avoid that in the future, I just needed to end it. And, and ending it on a good note like this was 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 great. I didn't get you know injured. Um, you know, I didn't didn't get hit too too much. You know, so feel good about it <laughs> well, i don't think that there's a human being on the planet that went the distance with both cyborg or amanda nunez or there will or that there will be anytime soon so uh like you mentioned getting into these wars uh, is difficult but it also is a testament to you being really at the top of the division and facing the absolute best fighters in the world in your weight class uh, yeah you know and like you said it, it's been an honor to have the position and the opportunities I've been given and, and to face them and I fully intended to, to beat them especially in the moment uh, yeah you know I feel good about being there I don't regret being there I don't regret the fights I've been in um, but I you know I know things can sometimes drag out and and then it's hard to you know it's hard to for fighters that are that start to be less of what they used to be to, to come back and or you know it's hard for them to walk away at the right time and you know I feel like walking away when I want to is is the perfect way to end it and uh, I you know I even walked out to um, to the walkout song that I first walked out to so it kind of came full circle to me like the whole night it was just very I was just excited to be there excited to perform um, I felt a little guilty in the back of my head, <laughs> but I knew I was there for me that night and, and it was, you know, good closure. 
you mentioned the passing of your brother. I, I didn't know uh, that that had happened, and I'm sorry to hear that. But what's the what are the circumstances around that? And you mentioned wanting to be there for your family. What's uh, what are they going through right now? Uh, well, it has been over a year now. It was in September of 2020, and uh, yeah, it, it's you know, it's hard to. I guess it just really made me want to be around my family more. And, you know, my, I have family in Illinois, I have family in Canada, I have family in Florida. It's just people I want to, I just want to be there for people. I want to be there for my friends more, you know, I, and not just like right now, it's really not about right now. It's, I don't, I want to be me in 20 years from now, you know, 25 years from now, I don't want to be deteriorating from things that I did, you know, today. So um, so that's really what it came down to for me. You know, my family, you know, um, you know, has had mental health struggles, you know, on both sides of my family and my, you know, my grandmother had dementia, like that kind of thing has always been in the back of my mind. And, you know, I talked to my husband and, and you know, the last thing I want to do is to have him watch me deteriorate, you know, in old age and, and have that experience. So, you know, obviously I've already done damage. So, you know, I figured it'd be just a good time to end that, <laughs> to end the damage. And your husband, Todd, is a professional mixed martial artist as well. Is he continuing his career? Um, he is interested in continuing to fight. Um, you know, he's, he took a year off when we started. Uh, we started a roofing. He has, he's a roofing contractor. So we started our own company this year, last, you know, the beginning of the year. Uh, so he's been busy with that. But he's definitely interested in coming back uh, in this coming year, actually, to, uh, to get some more fighting done. You mentioned um, that you felt a little bit of guilt going into the last fight. Um, does that have anything to do with the fact that the featherweight division in the UFC is kind of on life support, the women's featherweight division? Um, I know that obviously you're not going to stick around to help the UFC have a division, but I, I'm wondering if that played a factor as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was definitely the thing. It was, uh, you know, I came into the UFC to help build, build the division, and I felt like I, had, you know, we've done that a little bit, but, you know, it was definitely... Um, it was one of the only things that was kind of make you know kind of making me think oh maybe I should just keep doing it just for that but then I thought that's not fair to myself to to only fight for that or to only fight for money like that's that's just not me so I have to I have to just follow my heart you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's very difficult to do what you did. You know, a lot of people, when they have the thought that they sh they're planning on retiring, it's hard to really focus on an opponent and be able to win a fight. Um, how, how were you able to do that? How you, were you able to block out of your mind the fact that this was almost certainly going to be your last fight when you were heading into it? It was honestly the most motivating thing <laughs> that, I've, that I've had leading up to a fight. I think having the loss in May, um, and I, I just... And, and almost walking away at that point, it just made me like, just in my stomach, like I just could not do it. I just didn't feel good about it. And I knew that it would never feel right. So it was the most motivating thing every day to come to the gym and be like, all right, I'm doing this. This is good. This is, you know, in my head, this is it. And I have to give it everything. And I have to have an amazing performance, something that I just, again, like that I'm going to be proud of uh, to leave. So it was honestly not uh it was kind of the opposite for me it was kind of like this is the most motivating thing that i've ever had for leading into a fight and did you have any of these thoughts going into the fight against norma because uh you know watching that fight i could tell that you weren't the best you that night it was definitely there kind of i well I, again i wasn't like enjoying the camp i think i mentioned that like in the media before my last fight i wasn't enjoying camp as much i wasn't like 
yeah, I wasn't fully in it. And I definitely have those thoughts. Um, it was almost like I didn't care, you know, win or lose. It was almost just like getting it done. Um, whereas this time it was like, it definitely matters now. Like I definitely wanted to feel so good about it. Yeah, well, it was a fantastic performance that last time out. So if I would ask you to predict in one year from now, does the UFC have a featherweight division? What would you say? I would say yes. You know, I mean, it's been there for three years. I've been in there for three years now or something, almost. Um, or coming might up be, on... Might even be more. I think in the spring, I, I think I got signed in March of 2019, I think. I'm not 100% sure. Um so yeah, I mean it's you know it's it's been around this long already, and sure we don't have rankings, but I could see it still being around, kind of in either in the same kind of boat that it's in with just a handful, or you know with more and more. Hopefully, hopefully more and more people in it. You know, hopefully Aspen stays. Hopefully we get a couple others uh, into the promotion. Did it feel like your tenure in the UFC was very quick? Because I, I was there at your first fight in Rochester, and it just seems like yesterday that I was asking you about, you know, a fight with Cyborg. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but does it feel like it went by really quickly to you as well? Uh, in some ways, yeah. In other ways, it almost, it feels like it's been, like, home for a while, uh, kind of similar to how, how it was with Invicta. You know, I felt like uh, I had been there, you know, that was, like, my whole pro career was in Invicta and then went to the UFC. And, yeah, I mean, it's I'm six fights in, so it's, it's been... Uh, you know, I'm lucky to I'm lucky to say that. I know it's more than more than most. You know, a lot of people get signed, get their couple fights, and then are out. You know, so I'm lucky to have have the opportunities. And uh, you know, um, I guess for me, it, it, time's kind of gone fast, but also been pretty slow. Like it feels feels like home. What would you say is your most memorable moment of your entire career, if you had to pick one? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Um, I mean, honestly, one of, one of them up there would definitely be fighting in Edmonton, fighting at UFC 240 against Cyborg, the co-main event. It was definitely, definitely a cool, just a whole experience, like not just the single moment, the whole experience was, uh, you know, like it was obviously the biggest fight to date in my career and, and being in Canada and like kind of having like a whole, a whole support, like being in Canada, like a whole country behind me there. Um, even after the fight, I stayed for a week and explored the, the Canadian Rockies. Like the whole experience with the media and everything was uh, was very memorable for me. Um, but I mean, there's definitely been a lot of amazing moments in the in the you know in the whole career in general. So yeah, that week was a fun one. I remember watching all of the uh, UFC embeddeds for that week. And seeing you kind of see Frankie Edgar for the first time and see Max for the first time. And it's like you're facing Cyborg in the co-main event. It's a big deal. But it was like you still kind of were able to experience that as both a fighter yeah. and a fan of the sport. Yeah, it was it was definitely fun. Even even the, uh, in, the embedded uh, camera guy that got to hang out with us. He was he was a buddy by the end of it. You know, it was like it was just a fun experience. Well, I think that's why we've enjoyed covering you so much, uh, Felicia, because uh, you're just very down to earth. You you seem to be having a lot of fun doing whatever you're doing. Uh, so we will miss covering you in this sport. It was a uh, again as uh, somebody who covers the Canadian fighters, it's always great when we have a Canadian fighter that fights for the title. It's always memorable for for us. 
So uh, thank you for that. And thank you for uh, just being a great ambassador and representative of Canada. You know, we look at George St. Pierre as really what it means to be a mixed martial artist and, and a martial artist. And you really brought that same spirit to the sport. So uh, again, on behalf of uh, the Canadians that have been able to enjoy watching you and, and to have you represent our country, uh, we really appreciate that. And I hope it's not the last time I say bye, Felicia, to you. I hope I can say it to you again. And we will speak again in the future. Uh, maybe you can help analyze some of these fights with me sometime. But uh, again, it's been a pleasure and I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. I would, I would love to sit by you and, and talk about the fights any time. <laughs> Thank you so much for the kind words, too. I really appreciate everyone's support. A huge thank you to all of our guests, UFC President Dana White, Dustin Poirier, Charles Oliveira, Amanda Nunes, Sean O'Malley, Santiago Ponzinibbio, and Felicia Spencer. Great conversations with uh, all of these individuals who are competing on the UFC 269 card. Uh, and of course, Dana is not competing on the card, but he is uh, the, the one who runs the show. And Felicia Spencer has fought Amanda Nunes, who is, uh, of course, defending her championship at the event. So, good save. Good save, Aaron. Anyhow, I hope you enjoyed them, and of course, I don't ask for much in return for consuming these interviews, but uh, if you do have two minutes of your day to go on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get these podcasts, to rate and review them, I would uh, wholeheartedly appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with more great interviews. A card headlined by Chris Dawkins and Derek Lewis will round out the year for a UFC fans and uh, viewers everywhere, whoever uh, is interested in checking out that card, that will be next weekend on TSN. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.